Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together business owners, leaders and experts to talk about their business journeys and provide them with invaluable insights and explore the link between personal and business success. I am your host, Warren Munson, founder of Evolve. I have previously founded, grown and successfully exited three businesses in the business services and technology sectors. I have a passion for helping and advising businesses and seeing them succeed. We all know that leading and running a business comes with its own unique joys and challenges and Evolve provides the advice, guidance and support to the business, you and your teams on that journey, be that if you're starting, growing or looking to exit or step away from your business. We do this through our Ignite, Thrive and Optimize programs and services, which includes strategic advice, coaching and mentoring, leadership training, funded business support and so much more. If you want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolveadvisory.co.uk or connect and message me on LinkedIn. For now though, let's just get on with the show. Among the clients and businesses we work with, as well as the support programs we deliver for local authorities and enterprises, a topic that always is at the top of their list is employee engagement. I think most business owners would agree that keeping your team engaged is fundamental to success. And from my own experience of running Inspire, once we got employee engagement right, the business really started to fly. So in this episode, I sit down with both Evolve's delivery lead and advisor, David Mutton, and Matthew Fretton, managing partner at Fretton's Solicitors, which has won awards and recognition for employee engagement. Amongst the other things up for discussion is defining what engagement actually is and how to maintain it during periods of growth. We also look at the four pillars of employee engagement and hear what Matthew and Fretton's have done to reach such high levels of employee engagement. My hope from this episode is that you'll gain some food for thought on what you can do to really boost employee engagement and motivation and therefore enable your team to shine even brighter. And remember, the team here at Evolve are here to help. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, David. Great. This is my colleague to have you on the Evolve to Succeed podcast once again. This time we're talking about employee engagement, aren't we? We are. Yeah, great, great to be here, Warren, and um, to talk about such an important topic and one that's, you know, really important to us. Yeah, and it is one. It's fair to say that, you know, with the clients and the businesses we work with and also as part of the business support programs that we deliver for the local authorities, the LEPs, it's always one of those topics top of the list that people want included, isn't it? It is. It's so, so important. And, you know, you, you people are absolutely fundamental to any business whatever's going on in the world with artificial intelligence and whatnot fundamentally people leadership and so on just remain critical to to, to the overall success yeah we'll touch i'm sure a bit on my journey um, my pieces yeah it wasn't until we really got the people right issues right the engagement in the team right that we start to fly as a business when we were inspire you know okay when we when we didn't have those aspects really singing it was quite clunky you know, it's like pushing, um, you know, pushing, pushing water uphill. But actually, once we got that right, the business started to fly. Um, and the other aspects I think we often forget as business owners, business leaders, we tend to put um, our customers at the forefront of everything we do. But there's some great quotes, I think, by Richard Branson, Simon Sinek, that, you know, actually say you, you can't do that. It's about you've got to put your team first your employees first and look after them and then they look after your clients and I think that's my experience I don't know about yours I think I'd 100% agree I think it's very easy to 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 not think like that however I think yeah you can appreciate both people need to be treated equally right because you know trust loyalty honesty you know these are all kind of characteristics that you know are so important um and like like you know say simon sinek as you've quoted just just yeah really treat them fairly kindly and 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 work with people yeah i mean the simon sinek quote is very succinct and it simply says you know customers will never love your company until the employees love it first it's a great quote isn't it It it's so simple isn't it but it uh, but it probably sums up you know that kind of topic of what is employee engagement really it it really does and I I think you know engagement is 
it's, it's something that's quite hard to define, isn't it? But it's ultimately that that person's energy is is going towards the overall success of the business, you know, and you do see statistics about how businesses lose out because their employees are not engaged on a particular task. And, you know, just perhaps the economic benefits is just one of the reasons why, you know, that that employee engagement is so important. But I think, you know, Warren, from your perspective, have you, you know, when things were going well and have gone well, what other benefits have you really seen in that? kind of employee engagement piece yeah i think what we've really seen is the things i saw was that piece around nearly ownership i think was probably top of my list is that it felt like they were really thinking about the business and they were thinking about what was right for the business for our clients for their fellow team members um they were really bought into our kind of journey what good looked like for us as a business and it felt like there was this self-generated momentum um, and as a result of that you know we were able to you know deliver some deliver client delight which won us some national awards we were innovative in what we did um, we definitely felt like we were more productive and it did help us attract new talent because it ultimately the, the the local business economy knew what we were doing. They could see and hear what we were doing because there was this kind of drumbeat of people being evangelical that worked for Inspire out there in the kind of community. And, and that did definitely help attract talent as well. So I think the benefits were definitely multifaceted. Fantastic. And I think, um, I think, yeah, it's just enjoyable, I guess, isn't it? Definitely. You know, it's enjoyable. Um, and yeah, have you, have you kind of put your finger on like why that was, you know, how you managed to achieve that and, you know, what you were doing at that given time that really benefited? Yeah, I think, and I probably should give some credit to, you know, an individual, you know, Steve Jones that helped us with this, you know, back in, People that know the story, you know, business started in 2004, went on a kind of dramatic growth path, um, getting a lot of things right, particularly when we had a small team. That team were really engaged because that closeness, and I think this is the story with a lot of businesses and startups. If you relate it to the startup story, many businesses in that startup phase, you've got a small team, you're all in it together. Engagement typically isn't an issue because everybody knows what's happening, why it's happening. Lots of the things we'll talk about later, I'm sure, about what creates good engagement, it's just happening naturally. And that was our story. But then we went through this growth period and we didn't then put the right structure in place. We didn't think about the things we should be doing to continue that momentum. And come 2014, 10 years into the journey, it felt like we weren't the business that we set out to create and I wanted to achieve. Um, that was when we did actually have some dialogue. We engaged with Steve Jones, um, who you know helped us and understand some of the um, aspects that we needed to focus on to drive good employee engagement and make it sustainable. And a lot of that comes from actually some research that was done around 2009, 2011. That's um, McLeod, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. the McLeod research that was done that effectively says there are um, four enablers, four pillars, whatever you want to call them, of employee engagement. And, you know, it's what we, it's fundamentally where we start when we sit down with a business or a group of business leaders and talk to them about engagement, isn't it? They're the four areas they need to focus on. And, and that's what we did. So perhaps, David, we should just give our listeners a little bit of insight into what those four areas are. Yeah, th absolutely, Warren. And I think, you know, first of all, um, that that leadership is is crucial, isn't it? Visible, empowering leadership is the way it's described. Um, and ultimately, there is, there's a why, you know, there's a, there's a reason the organization is doing what it's doing. It knows where it's come from and it knows where it wants to go. Mm. And, you know, Ultimately, if your job can be described in a much simpler fashion, maybe you, you do X within the business, you know, if, if that's all that you can think about, then 
sometimes that might not always be the most motivational motivational aspect. And if if that business isn't necessarily presenting a, a story, you know, we are human beings. We love stories. You know, we love watching films. We love reading books to understand what that business is trying to achieve. Okay, and if employees understand that, then that's only going to be helpful. Yeah, definitely. We put, you know, the other ones are around, you know, giving your employees a voice, aren't they? And and, and giving them, and we'll, I think we should, and we will delve into these a bit more detail um, about having integrity, you know. Absolutely. And again, you know, just some of the other pillars there, we've got integrity, um, you know, do you, do you do what, do you live and breathe it? Do you say and do what you say you will do? Um, you know, do, do your managers have the skills to treat people as individuals, to to spend time with them, to to listen to people, you know, which is the fourth one there, the employee voice yeah. you just mentioned. You kind of, you know, it's important to listen. Yeah. It's important to understand. It's important to make decisions. It's important to, you know, manage, empower, you know, and, and kind of really work with people to kind of say, look, we're all gunning towards a certain you know outcome here definitely yeah so just listeners as a reminder the four pillars are visible empowering leadership giving the employees a voice is number two number three is engaging managers and number four is organizational integrity um so you know let's perhaps talk about i think one of those that you know most of our businesses that we work with i was got to say 95 if not 98 99 percent are owner managed you know the owner led uh, businesses and the first part of that is that visible empowering leadership is where I think those businesses can set themselves up apart from their competition because they will all have this story they will and I think I guess Warren when you were leading Inspire that was something that you were very much doing yeah definitely we it was actually something um that we introduced was actually we had a really strong backstory we had really strong purpose as to why I created the business um, and actually that was one of the things we'd lost along the way so actually what we started to do was actually ensure that I spent time with the new team members as they joined um, something I learned off, off Mark Cribb at the Urban Group he, he every now and again would get everybody in and do a presentation about the story anybody that knew that joined come in um, and that's what we started to do so collectively we'd say any new joiners in the last you know, two months as a session and I, I told the story and it came from me and it came from the heart. Um, and actually they get, got to learn what the business was about, you know, what what that kind of initial focus, passion and belief for the business was and the story, the journey we'd been on and where we were and where we were going. And that installed some of that original, I'm going to say passion again, but original belief in everybody in the business about where we're on and it what it also did was really reaffirming to those that had been around a long time that we still cared about where we come from the journey that they had helped participate in and i think that really did help i guess when the business is owner managed you you really need to use that to your advantage to an extent to kind of give you a commercial advantage in the story and 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 we talk about you know with 2024 aren't we now and it's, st- it's still going to be hard in the start of 2024 and through 2024, I'm sure, to attract talent. But one of the things a, you know, an owner-managed SME business can do is if they can tell their story and share it, people buy into that, don't they? People buy into the emotion of that, and that will help attract talent and, and perhaps you know, choose that they'll come and work for you rather than work for a larger corporate. But y- y- you've also got to have some piece around that you, the story is one thing but you've also got to be able to share not just with new starters with the business as a whole is the vision for the business and you do and you know i was just going to say to you like when you when you kind of talking to business here and you're saying look you know it's all very easy saying look create a story but how do you go about that warren you know what what really are the building blocks of doing that and and kind of getting getting people to buy into that yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think it's about just, you know, as the owner or owners of the business, just sitting down with a blank piece of paper and just brainstorm. You know, it's a really cathartic exercise, actually. You know, think about from that day one, why did you want to start the business? 
what was the purpose, what was the passion, as I call it, focus, passion and belief. And think about all of the milestones that have happened along the way. Now, be careful. It's sometimes easy when you're trying to convey that to tell just all the good stuff. You know, it was really important in our story for me to admit where I'd got it wrong. You know, I suppose that that comes into probably the integrity pillar. But, you know, think about all of the things that have happened in the business and then you string them together. And then it's quite easy, isn't it? If, you're, if you own a business, to, regardless of your personality type, you're going to be passionate and you're going to show emotion when you tell that story. And that's what people want to hear. But really, I think just do the exercise, blank piece of paper, start with what was the purpose, what was the focus, passion and belief, and start to jot down the milestones and then use those bullet points, sit in front of somebody. And that's what I did. And, you know, just tell the story. And tell it you, from the heart. And would you expect your customers to understand that story as well? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because I think um, there is an, there is around kind of the story, around vision. I think there is a huge benefit in sharing that with not just your team internally, but the external environment. Um, and we did that to a degree. We we held some conferences, and I remember standing on stage feeling very exposed in 2016, 17, and telling the Inspire story, warts and all. Um, but again, we, we stood there in front of the business community, our clients, customers in the room, the intermediaries, those that provided us work. And we're honest and we shared our story, and people loved it, and people really engaged with it. Um, because there's so much in that you we have this conversation quite frequently David you know particularly maybe in the world in which we operate there's a lot of kind of rah-rah out there there's a lot of pumping the chest isn't there there's a lot of social media posts about you know people being successful but people in my opinion don't tell the honest story often enough and then people told the honest story more often I think more businesses would be successful and more business owners wouldn't find themselves perhaps in that slightly lonely place. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we'll change the world one step at a time, David. <laughs> but so as well as the story, I think it's really important if you're talking about that vis uh, visible and empowering leadership um, to make sure that you've got a story and a vision. You know, you know where you've been, where you are and where you're going and that you share and communicate that. And I think from that perspective and making sure you know i suppose visible and empowering leadership to me also is about showing up as the business owner business leaders showing up being present um and we'll talk about some of the aspects of behaviors that i think a leader needs to portray to get great engagement but being visible being accessible is really important in terms of that pillar in my opinion so, you know, our second pillar that we start to talk about um, could be, you know, in, engaging managers. Completely. And I think so often that the person that's technically best at a given job is then said, well, you're the manager. Yeah. And actually, you know, there are, there is a conversation about whether managers and leaders are born or whether they're developed and, you know, that will go on for time. And I And I think that... Clearly, some of the key questions really are, um, you know, how how do you as a or how does your managers, you know, drive culture performance? Um, how do we coach individuals? And I think that, you know, there's a growing group of evidence around coaching people to be able to do a job. It's too very easy to bring someone in, give them an induction, say, you're now my manager, now go and manage people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And unfortunately, it, 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 in most cases, it doesn't quite work that way. We have to coach our managers to be leaders, to be managers. We need to help them understand, you know, the wins and the and the, and the challenges, and 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 you know, build that into them. That's that's what I think. You yeah, know, definitely. I think that you're right. That you know, there is that. Is it the Peter principle? You know, people just get promoted to the point of incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> because they become managers and then you know senior managers and but actually you know particularly again in a small business where perhaps you know we're developing the team we want to grow our own that's quite usually it's a great, great way of actually getting engagement because people are, you know really believe and they're growing with you but you can't you're absolutely right you just can't put them into that place 
without giving them some support, some mentoring, some coaching and some training. And ongoing support as well. Yeah. You know, when does any of us ever stop yeah. being improving as a manager, as a leader? Yeah. You know, different circumstances. Yes, of course, we can... We, as we get more experience, it's, we're going to be able to deal with with more more things. But fundamentally, we've 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 got to have those people that engage our our, our team. Hmm. Yeah, and that is the way they look them in the eye. That's the way they care. That's the way they're honest. That's the way that they inspire. Yeah, and it's really it's this is an aside, but I think it was a really we talked earlier about the kind of inspire piece and how did I know what were the benefits what did I see happen when we had good engagement we we installed this culture that we wanted everybody to have a growth mindset you know everybody to be better at the end of the year doing what they did than they were at the start of the year so they didn't, it wasn't about everybody wanting to be promoted it was just like if you're happy doing your role that's great but all we will need you to be is better at doing that and have developed yourself during the course of a year so you're better at the end than you were at the start and interestingly, we started that with that as a kind of principle, you know, as a kind of objective. When we had engagement right, that's what we saw, was everybody was switched on to actually, I'm going to be better at what I do. The mindset of growth and yeah, the kind growth. of, I'm, I'm, I am going to grow and, you know, that yeah. is such an important aspect, yeah. isn't it? I, and I love it when we do these sessions with groups and you talk about the principle of not yet. The power of yet, yeah. Carol Dweck, yeah, Dr. Carol Dweck, and you, you see it in primary schools now, don't you, where they say, when a child says, I can't do that, and then the teacher just goes, yet. Yeah. And it's a lovely, lovely mentality. Definitely. That's the right side, but it does fit with the, um, the kind of engagement piece. And, and I think that piece around managers and having engagement managers is really important, because the statistics say, don't they, it's probably, it's another quote, but nearly every survey you see effectively comes up with, it ends up somewhere in, Summarising is people don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses. Yeah. And I'm sure I can relate to that. In, in my early career, when I moved on, it wasn't necessarily because I didn't believe in the company I was working for. It's didn't, the line management just was wrong. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, bad, great leaders can, can exist within organisations where the culture doesn't help the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be both. It's got to be the organization and it's got to be the people, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's really important as well to, to consider. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was going to say, Warren, in terms of um, kind of the, the next pillar, um, employee voice, I know this is something that, that you've really considered over time, you know, in terms of how you go about listening to your employees. Um, what, what would you have to say on that? I think uh, the first thing is that it, when you're very entrepreneurial, okay, and when you're very driven, it can be one of the most difficult pillars, I think, because you tend to you start the business, you've got this real thing, and you this piece around allowing constructive challenge is where I think it starts from, okay? And, and typically, if you're an owner-manager and you're driven, that's not naturally in your personality set. I think it's a fair comment. Yeah. So the first thing is to, to allow yourself, and I think it's a growth piece in you as a leader, to go, actually, um, I'm, I'm not just going to um, passively listen. I'm going to actively listen to what my team are saying. And I'm going to take constructive challenge. And I think there is a mindset shift here. Yeah. Particularly, again, if you're moving from start up to that scale up growth phase um i think scale up again you're all in it together there's enough listening going on when you start to scale you really have got to you know people come on board you don't necessarily get to know them in the same way but they have an opinion they have a voice and they need to be heard so you've got to change your mindset to be open to that um and actually create the environments that's the what we did we created the environments to listen you know you can do employee surveys um and one of the things that worries me a lot of the time is people do an employee survey and think i've done a survey that's not enough is it (laughs) you've got to then listen to the feedback you know um and actually respond to it and 
that was one of the first things we did was we did a survey we had some really honest feedback some really lovely positive stuff some suggestions to things we could do better um as a leadership team as a management team um but we one of the breakthrough moments was we went back and we presented back to the whole team great thank you these are the results of the survey this is what you've said these are the things that you suggest you suggest we could do better here's all of the stuff that you've suggested that we're going to do now there's some really quick wins. Funny enough, there was stuff that they suggested that we already offered or did, but we just hadn't <laughs> communicated it well enough, which is a bit of a wake-up call. So here's the things we can do today, and this is what we're going to do. Here are the things that we would like to do, but we just can't do them yet. They're great ideas. They're now on the roadmap. You can hold us accountable to them. And we did give them some of the things we kind of give, but that could happen within the year. That can, you know, We can just start to do some stuff. And then we had at the bottom... These are the things we're not going to do. I get, we, and we understand the suggestion and we explained why. And I think that was a break, as I've explained it, a breakthrough moment. And how did staff take those no's that, you know, we definitely are not going to do Because we'd listened, because if we'd have just ignored them, it would have been, that would have been really negative. But we didn't just ignore them. We said, look, we can understand it. And perhaps maybe we need to understand a bit more about mm. why the suggestion's been made. But these are our reasons why we can't. Okay, are you able to talk about what those were or an example of one of those kind of reds where some people were asking or there was, but you were yeah, like, no? Really, yeah, it's a good question. I think some of it was around, um, it wasn't all this employee survey, was about, but some of it was about benefits, remuneration, those kind of things. Um, and it sounds really archaic now. But some of it was about, you know, for, can we do a four-day week? Can we, you know, that was definitely one of them. Um, and at the time, was yeah, was probably old school. And, yeah, it was something that we didn't see how we could serve our clients, where we have to serve our clients on a five-day-a-week basis with staff doing four days a week. Now, that was way before COVID, and COVID's come now, and, mm. you know, we've all got a different opinion. But that was a good example of one. Um, but the explanation was, look, we serve our clients five days. A client, everybody has a client portfolio. There's an expectation that everybody can respond promptly yeah. as and when our client needs. So that's a good example. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was kind of a breakthrough moment. And then the other thing we did, which is, is something I always recommend um, business owners, leaders do, is we set up either breakfast or lunchtime sessions where I would simply, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the whole team in because sometimes if you get a whole team in, nobody wants to put their hand up, nobody wants to ask questions. So we broke the team into groups of 10 and I'd just sit there with a cup of coffee with them, maybe some breakfast, maybe some lunch, um, with no agenda. And it's just like, okay, I'm here. What do you want to know? And what do I need to know? And just have that open dialogue again it's really important you start to do that in that growth phase startup phase it's happening naturally and again some of this stuff this is why it becomes important to really address employee engagement early on in that scale-up growth phase but yeah they were some of the things we did around um the listening culture but you know you just got to remember golden rule number one is you know change your mindset accept constructive criticism and ensure that you've got two-way communication going on so i think we've probably covered um you know a few of the pillars there um we've got integrity to come back to but perhaps we should take a break in our conversation and hear from matthew fretton who's been award-winning in terms of fretton solicitors in terms of their employee engagement and what they have to say Welcome, Matthew, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited to have a conversation with you around employee engagement. It's something that we see that Fret and Solicitors does well. And as we're I'm sure we'll touch on during the course of the conversation, you've won awards as a firm for your employee engagement. So I suppose we should start in this conversation about, you know, why is employee engagement so important to Fretons? I, I think... Uh to place it in some context, uh, I think employee engagement, if you ask any business leader, I suppose that would be something that they um, would tell you was incredibly important. I think a lot of businesses that I see are 
Um, I think particularly where you might have uh, uh, a strong leader or even a charismatic leader or a very energetic leader. I'm not suggesting I'm any of those things, but um, there's often an assumption that your staff are following in your wake and they're as uh, motivated and engaged and, mm -hmm. and, and as sort of sharing this passion and vision as much as you are as the leader. Um, I, a few years ago now, back in probably 2018, uh, we, as a business, we made a very conscious decision to grow our business. So we, we, we hit a turnover level of about £3 million. We, um, we struggled really hard to break, that, uh, break through that, that limit. And it, our business was becoming quite predictable. But what was also happening was that we were losing some of our better staff. And it made us stop and look at the whole employee piece at that stage. Yeah. So it was very much linked with... Well, we'd like to grow our business over the next few years, um, but we're a bit worried that um, we're perhaps not as good at uh, employee engagement and our staff perhaps are not as motivated and engaged as they could be. Uh, and what are we going to do about it? So yeah. that's sort of the start of our story uh, sort of in Just recent years. It's context. And it's quite interesting because, you know, Dave and I often talk about the fact that, yeah, engagement is quite easy when you're a smaller business because there is usually that leader that person leading the charge, the founder, and everybody follows. But as you grow, and again, I've you know, often shared and have shared in the early part of this podcast, is that you know that becomes more difficult as you start to grow. And actually, it's that point where actually you've got to put something in place, some framework in place yeah. around it, haven't you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, for us, it was very much... I would occasionally, not occasionally, I would get criticised from time to time uh, by sort of senior members of my team saying, look, um, we know what's going on and we know what the plan is and yeah. we know where we're going and all the rest of it. But actually, we're not sure the communication to everybody uh, is as good as it should be. And so communication and you think, well, OK, that's obvious, isn't it? Surely everyone knows that. But how do you actually yeah. do that? So one of the very first things we did, and you were very kind to mention it at the outset, but... Um, is we signed up for the best companies um, uh, employee engagement survey. So this is the stuff you see in the Sunday Times yeah. and all the rest of it. And the best companies, it's an anonymous survey, which uh, we do uh, we do twice a year now, but we back in 2018 we do it once a year. And we got to the conclusion that uh, we needed to take the temperature in terms of, well, just how engaged are our staff, you mm -hmm. know? And, and it breaks it down into different... Uh, parts of the business so so it would be you know are you happy with the leadership of the business are you happy with your manager do you feel rewarded do yeah. you feel that you're making a difference you know contributing all that stuff and we got good results in 2018 we didn't have bad results but it definitely threw up some areas that we could improve and that was the start of if you like us formalizing that employee engagement process so um, which led to lots and lots of practical decisions being made. And A, we shared all of the results with all of the staff. Mm. So, so that's quite scary, sort of telling them yeah. what we're not very good at. Um, and equally, we then made decisions purely based on that anonymous survey. And the only person who wasn't allowed to fill it in was me. But we got, <laughs> re but we got a really good um, sort of return rate. So we had sort of 95% of people would, would, would do the survey. And, uh, you know, I banged on about it enough, so, so I really wanted them to do it. And we've done it every year since. Um, but one of the things that came out, you know, so our, without the employees engaged, how on earth were we going to achieve our growth plan? Now, I wasn't, I'm not saying that they weren't engaged, but in order to mm. sort of meet some of our growth ambitions, we would need staff who are motivated, yeah. up for the challenge and all the rest of it. Um, and very quickly, as you've sort of um, touched upon, we needed to formalise that process. It was no longer yeah. a matter of, you know, Matt and the other partners are, are really excited about yeah. doing this, so we're going to jump on board. It's actually, well, you know, what are the aims of the business? You know, what's my role? How do I fit into all of yeah. that? <clears throat> and what are the responsibilities? So, so you really did start with that um, visible kind of leadership and sharing the vision and the plan for the business. Yeah, so we, I think we started in 2018. Um, we had a relatively modest... Um, our, our ambition, I think, back in 2018 was to get from three million to four million. That was. Yeah. Don't ask me why. We didn't ask um, any accountant why, why or how that could happen. But we just sort of picked a number out of the air and said, "Look, right. come on, 
let's try and get this. So I think over the next three years, um, uh, that was our aim. Uh, and we uh, set out a strategy and we set out how we thought we would achieve that growth. And um, we used to, like many businesses, I used to have um, an AGM each year. So we'd all go yeah. to a hotel one that afternoon. Kind of state at four, uh, thing, this yeah. is like, you know, yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, what actually happened was we booked the hotel for four o'clock. So everyone would be delighted because they got out of work early. And then they'd all come and sit in silence as I spoke for 20 minutes about how well we'd done and what our plans yeah. were for the coming year. Very much it was once a year we used to do this. And then at 5.15 or whatever, he said, come on, everyone have a drink in the bar. And uh, everyone would scurry off home early because they'd think, oh, great, I get to go home early. And, and they were clearly disengaged yeah, with that. Yeah, it's a sign of disengagement. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so they, that, that obviously wasn't working. So one of the first things we did when we formulated our strategy um, uh, was we decided that we would do away with our AGMs and... Uh, a practical thing we did was that uh, myself and uh, Lewis, who's our uh, marketing commercial director, we would take a cross-section of the firm, probably about 10 or 12 people, yeah. and every couple of months we would take a group in a small room and we would go through the strategy line by line almost. We'd tell them exactly what, you know, we'd have a bit of an update on yeah. how we're doing, but we'd then go, right, okay, over the next two, three years, this is what we want to achieve this is how we think we're going to do it. These, this, these are the areas we yeah. want to grow. And this is your role in it. And, and as staff, we'd love you to do more of this and less of that and more of this, you know. Okay. And, and give them a very clear idea of where we wanted to take the business. So once that sort of permeated throughout the staff, no one could say that they weren't yeah. up to speed with, well, what direction are we going at? We then kind of reinforced that and these are really practical measures, but, but again, we, we'd have an appraisal system where you, you might meet with your line manager once or twice a year and, and yeah. talk about your That's salary. Again, the old-fashioned, traditional Very traditional. Approach. So what I decided was that as managing partner, I would meet every single uh, lawyer, Fiona, in our business uh, every two months. And we'd go through their figures. So, it, it, and it yeah. should be a relatively short meeting, five or 10 minutes. They never are, but um, it, it, that's the plan. Um, and we'd look at their productivity. We'd look at their, where they were compared to their target, year to date, all that yeah. stuff. And we'd do it in a really uh, positive, constructive way. So um, there are lots of reasons why people aren't on target. They might have had yeah. you know, two and a half week holiday or something, or, or they might have just come back from maternity leave or, or whatever it might be. Um, but equally, there'll be people who are absolutely, you know, smashing it. And then you're just, you know, sort of double checking that they're not working 24 hours a day every yeah. day sort of thing. Um, so with the Fiona review meetings or with the lawyer review meetings, what actually came is, all right, so there are touch points. So there's like half a dozen touch points a year with the managing partner where he's taking an interest in me yeah. and what I'm doing. Yeah. And I can then reinforce some of the strategy points and yeah. say, well, obviously, as a team, we want you to do this. And I think your role in it is this. And, mm. you know, and it, it, it reinforces the sort of wider strategy. And see sees their part in the plan and that strong communication and strong leadership. I suppose you're obviously a people business being, you know, professional yeah. services, Matthew. And I suppose, how do you get your managers day to day to, you know, be... Um, I suppose, engaging with their team members? Because it's great that it's coming from you, it's coming from Lewis, it's coming from the other equity partners. You're driving the strategy. That's got to be where it starts, isn't it? But, you know, there is that adage, people don't leave their job, they leave their manager, they leave their boss. So what have you done to help your managers, you know, your team leaders, go on this engagement journey and be more engaging with their teams day in, day out? So a couple of, th I mean, you know, we can almost go back to the best company survey. So a yeah. couple of things that came out of the best company survey were um, uh, slightly random things. So one, one was about giving back. Uh, okay. And I mean, you know, being a lawyer, that's not something I'm you know, overly <laughs> familiar with. But, uh, but it was the giving back piece. And um, uh, so that led to us sort of saying to the teams, look, uh, I'm going slightly off tangent, but I will come back. Um, in terms of giving back, why don't we sort of formalise some of the charity stuff we do? And we're, we're lucky enough to be um, uh, supporting My Time Young Carers uh, this year and last year. And, and then we'd encourage them, whether in their own teams or, or you know, across the firm, to spend a day 
um, you know, uh, a, a year yeah. helping out the charity. So really tiny things. So, it, it, you know, it took all of 30 seconds at a kind of um, partners meeting to, to give that the thumbs up. You know, it, was, it wasn't a tricky no. one, but it was something that um, had a really profound effect. So, um, and, what, and that's a, an example of where we're trying to push down some of that management to our departmental heads yeah. and to our team leaders. So, the, there's two 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 points I would make on top of that. The first being, uh, I'm not a micromanager, yeah. and not many of my partners are. There are one or two, yeah. but they're, they're, I won't name them. But uh, I'm not micromanaging our departmental heads. They know as departmental heads. And by the way, I have a meeting with them every quarter to yeah. check that they're um, you know they're still online with with the overriding strategy. So whilst I might meet regularly with them to see how they're getting on, I'm actually leaving the day-to-day with them. So hybrid working. So we all talk about hybrid working. Hybrid working is not an issue that I get involved in at my level. I say to the departments, you work it out, you make it work. If it doesn't work, by all means, ask me, you know, my advice or my position on it. But equally, I'm trusting you to do it. So you're empowering the team leaders, the managers... I mean, there's two elements to it. Number one, I don't want to micromanage anybody ever. (laughs) And secondly, these are really, really good quality people. Um, Now, what we've found out, or not, what we've realised, certainly in the last year or so, is there was also a bit of a vacuum in terms of a lot of these people, quite senior people in some cases, have great responsibility because I've we've given them responsibility because we want them to run their departments with ownership and with, um, you you know, with genuine control. Um, But equally, they wanted training. So we've spent, certainly over the last 12 or 18 months, we've looked, uh, we've been providing uh, sort of high tier sort of leadership training, which which trickles down to sort of um, more practical training in terms of, um, you know, using motivational maps or whatever it might yeah. be and that's that's given them a real boost because not only have they shared their experiences with their peers within the business so the other managers the other yeah. which is really powerful i mean you put you put people who are all heading teams up in a room and they're not all you know a lot of them are not partners or, or equity partners and you give them space to sort of explore some of these ideas and they come out super motivated you know um and that's a, a rolling program, I think, that we'll, we'll use and we'll hopefully trickle that kind of training down to some of the junior managers and all the rest of it. So some training has helped, giving them genuine responsibility. So, so if you look at the goals, roles, responsibilities, whatever it is yeah. that I'm plagiarising, but um, the responsibilities bit is you are responsible for your bit of the business and I'll support you in every way I can. And I'll try and remove all the yeah. obstacles in your way to achieving what your what your aims as a department are, um, and we will support you with the training if 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 there's a training need there. And I would have said that we did all of those things five or six years ago, but we didn't, no. not in a meaningful way. Um, and now that's front and centre. And I think you, you again, you touched about professional services, and you know you know as much as I do about professional services, if not more. The reality is we start off being incredibly client-focused. Yeah. So I would say for the first 20 years of my career, it was all about my clients, where are we, you know, are they happy, what are we doing, da 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 da, da. What we've actually seen in, in, in my business over the last few years is we've become uh, employee-focused. Yeah. Right? And what I mean by that uh, is if my employees are motivated well rewarded um, we've laid out career paths for them so any member of staff twice a year can book a, an appointment in my diary and have a career progression meeting with me one on one not an appraisal I'm not looking at their figures I'm not assessing yeah. them I'm just saying what is it you want to achieve let's work out those milestones to get yeah. you where you want to get to and they might be at a junior they might be newly qualified lawyers they might be trainee solicitors they might be um, you know, salary partners who want yeah. to get into the equity, whatever it might be, and we set those goals out, and they can come in twice a year, and I just throw my diary open. So um, that if they've got all of those things and they know where they're going, they know as a business it's quite exciting because we're continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. They know what their position is within that business and what what we expect of them. 
and I've given them a career path that says, well, you know, over the next two, three, four years, this is where I expect you to get to, and these are the things you need to concentrate on. They're going to be motivated. And guess what? You know, they run through brick walls, don't they? Yeah. If you're that motivated and that engaged, yeah, yeah. they'll make it happen. Yeah, definitely. And what have you seen as the benefits? I mean, work, you, you say you started this story in 2018. We're sat here just at the start of 2024. You know, what have you seen as some of the benefits? Um, happier staff. Yeah. Retention rates, really good, really strong. I have to say, as a business, we're, we're quite good at working out whether people aren't going to fit quite early on. Okay. And I think that's important too. Yeah. I think the honesty in terms of, look, this is what we need from you. I'm not sure that we're the best yeah. fit for you. That's okay too. Yeah. Um, no, I always, and it's in terms of recruitment and people in the business, no compromises. Yeah. And I think if you do start to make compromises, that that's the bit where integrity goes. It so you're saying all of yeah. this, it undermines everything else you're saying, yeah. and that disengages yeah. people, doesn't it? And it is difficult sometimes. You know, yeah. It's not an easy path to follow no. or to be completely rigorous about no. all the time. But I think we're good at recognising people who are going to thrive in our environment and who, you know, I think we, we you know, it's a hard-working place, but it's, it's fun and people react well to... Um, having some scope, having some responsibility, having some structure in terms of where we're going, and we're on, you know, we're in an exciting phase. I mean, um, on a practical level, productivity rates, which is something back in 2018 we'd look at, um, and we looked at sort of what we were getting back on a purely sort of, mm. you know, return on on hours invested, yeah. you know, and it shot through the roof, and and productivity. You know, if I said to you um, the number of hours that I want my lawyers yeah. to to charge every uh, day is you know whatever, and they were doing maybe on average in 2018 70, 75 percent of that, yeah, we thought that was quite normal, and we didn't think that was too bad. I mean, currently, I mean, literally, you know, up to this week, you know, our productivity levels are bang on 100 percent. Wow. During, during COVID, we got sort of 111, 112%, and then it kind of dropped back yeah. to 90, 95, and currently it's back up again to 100. So what I can tell you is we've got, you know, our, 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 our lawyers are working incredibly hard, and they only work hard when they're motivated and they're engaged. So the product, on a practical level, productivity has gone up. Yeah. Um, I think we've also got, and again, I, I hesitate to say this, but... But we, we've definitely attracted um, lawyers who have a similar mindset. Yeah. Um, now, I think variety is great, so I don't want them all to be robots. Diversity is needed. Yeah, diversity is required. Um, but equally, you have to share a few common values and goals. And I think we've got a lot of people who understand what we're trying to do, realise why we're trying to do it. You know? yeah. And the truth of the matter is, you, you know, if I said to you, well, our strategy over the next three, four, five years is to get to 10 million pounds. Yeah. And literally that's our strategy. So there's no, there's no 2028, we need to be at 10 million pounds. Yeah. We're at six and a half at the moment. If I said to you, you know, and our strategy could, could literally be one sentence long. But around that, you explain to people why. Because someone said to me quite, quite um, and I thought it was a great question, well, why, why do you want to grow any bigger? Yeah. And I said, uh, and I had to stop and think. But the truth of it is because I've got these wonderful, brilliant lawyers yeah. um, coming through the business and I want to make sure that they can achieve what they want to achieve. And a lot of them want to be equity partners. Well, yeah. if, you ha if you want to have more equity partners, you need more turnover uh, and Grow. more profit to, to, to yeah. share out. So, I mean, congratulations. I mean, you've grown from three to six and a half million in, what, five years, five, six years? How much of that growth do you put down to the market conditions and how much would you put, I mean, it's an intangible question, I know, but how much would you put down to having a more engaged team? Uh, I, I would put 95% down to the employee engagement. Wow. I think we've, we've been lucky enough to get some amazing people who have made amazing things happen. Uh, we have, um, we've definitely invested in areas that have paid off. Yeah. We've definitely opened up new revenue streams in terms of new departments, specialised in a few things that we didn't used to do. I think we have very clear 
direction at the moment. I think we all know what we're, we're, we're trying to do. And we, I think most of the time, understand how we think we're going to get there. I think the staff have bought into that. They're the ones running through brick walls. They're the ones bringing in new clients. They're the ones um, opening up, you know, yeah. new things. Um, and and equally, if people are happy working for you, and are enjoying it, and are getting promoted, and are getting rewarded properly, and again, all of those things, I think you could have criticised us for quite a lot a few years ago. Um, but if you are doing all of those things, and you're showing genuine examples of how how far people can go then guess what their mates and their yeah. colleagues, peers in other firms are going to go, oh, oh, well, he seems to be enjoying himself, or she seems to be getting yeah. on well. I wonder, what, I wonder what they're like. And it makes recruitment slightly easier. I wouldn't say recruitment is easy, but it makes it slightly easier. Um, and, and that's been noticeable in the last couple of years. So it sounds like on this employee engagement piece, you've done extremely well in recognising that you need that sort of visible empowering leadership setting a plan communicating it engaging the managers into helping you deliver that plan and you know with the surveys and everything you're doing giving that the employees the team members a voice really to be heard one of the things is about in sort of employee engagement that's often said is you've got to kind of live and breathe values and where does and i haven't really heard you talk about that where does a value set and living and breathing values fit into your sort of employee engagement story? Good question. I mean, it's something we've talked about and we haven't ever... Uh, I think my natural personal... Uh, uh, not quite cynicism, scepticism, it stops me from writing the values down. Yeah. But I think I would argue very strongly that we hold um, our values very dear. So, I mean, I, I, and maybe it is that you're living in, as an organisation, you live and breathe this sense of behaviour and you're talking about people fit and if people yeah. don't fit, then actually somehow they need to move out and move on. I suppose you, the values maybe just be inbred within everything you do. It can be, but I, th- but I also think as we grow, and I mean, yeah. we're 105 staff, including partners at the moment, and we're, we think in order to get to sort of... A, 10 million, we probably need to be 135, maybe 140 realistically. So we're talking about significant growth over the next few years. Yeah. It's only 10% growth a year if you kind of break it down. But it's, um, I think the value piece becomes more difficult yeah. to uh, sort of pass on through osmosis the yeah. bigger you are yeah, um, because I'm not going to at the moment I can speak to everyone in our business and I probably don't speak to all of them as much as I'd like to but but I can they understand the position yeah. um, and they they I'm very accessible as as the managing partner but so are my other partners yeah. you know and I suppose that is about being aware isn't it that you were at that point at 2018 and three million you'd kind of done as much as you could just through that kind of organic kind of piece, realised there was an issue, done something about it, that's taking you on this great journey, and you know, congratulations on the success and you know the awards that you know um, you've received. Um, but you might be soon, I suppose, at one of those pinch points where actually, how do we up our game again? Yeah, and don't rest on your laurels, I suppose. And, and I think um, I'm obviously feeling it's January, so I'm feeling very energetic and enthused about life. Um, but uh, I think when we look ahead, um, whilst it's relatively simple to set yourselves sort of this far-reaching financial target, um, it's all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah. And and one of the things we have talked about, which which links to values, is well, how big do you want to be? Do you, you know, are we going to take over you know the yeah. world? Well, the answer is no, because actually. We want. I, I, I said to someone, I said, I want to know everybody's name in the business, and I want to, I want to be able to, um, you know, stop anyone in the corridor, or whatever, where, wherever, you know, whichever office it might be, and have a chat with people, and they know me, and yeah. I know them. I think once you get over 130, 140, 150 staff, that becomes probably difficult. very difficult. Yeah. And then you probably need to sort of set out your values perhaps in a clearer way, perhaps yeah. write them down. I mean, that would be a good start. Um, and and start doing that. I mean, you know, we are, I think we have a distinctive culture. I think a lot of people who work at Fretton's 
other people recognise that that, yeah. that you know that the, the, their personality type or whatever. Um, interestingly, we did um, uh, again. I, I you know we we've done some work with with the partners and and with um, some of the senior managers about what motivates them in terms of you know you come to work. Why do you come to work? Yeah. And obviously, I was expecting them all to put money, but they didn't. Not not all of them. Uh, but ninety percent of them. Uh, their greatest most facer was they wanted to make a difference, and actually maybe all lawyers are the same deep down. Yeah, yeah. You know they want to make a difference, um, but but it really struck me as something about our our senior guys, the senior team. I thought so. You you want to come in here, and some of them want to be experts, yeah. and some of them you know want to be uh, you know grow companies to you know hundred yeah. million dollars or whatever. But but actually most people in that room wanted to make a difference by you know come to work and make a difference and feel that they were adding something yeah. and that's because we've told them that we can't do it without them and we've shown them what we want them to do and they've gone do you know what i can do that and if they do that then they climb up their career yeah path everybody wins don't and, they? and 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 you know i couldn't be happier Brilliant. um so my final question as we kind of wrap up a discussion around employee engagement matthew is in 2023 if i get this right you in that best company survey you won some awards you're in the top 25 law firms you're in the top 50 in terms of companies in the southwest and for mid-size companies in the uk you're also in the top 50 so in terms of engagement you obviously are living and breathing it i suppose my final question is you know we've talked about why the survey was important why are those awards important to you? I think the recognition from the survey, and again, um, we don't have an award shelf in our office or anything, um, but to be recognised for that um, means that something's going well. I mean, what, from the last results from the best companies, which were exceptionally good, 94% um, of our staff said they loved working there, wow. which I think as a business owner gives you a little warm feeling inside, Absolutely. doesn't it? You think, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Now, next time we do the survey, that'll be <laughs> wrong. But, but that's great, but it keeps us on our toes. And, and I don't know, if we didn't do that survey or something very similar, yeah. how could we say with absolute certainty, oh yeah, we pay really well, oh yeah, they're really happy, they're really yeah. motivated, they love their manager, they love coming to work, da, da, yeah. You just don't know. It'd just be initiative for initiative's it, sake without any outcome, wouldn't it? And, and then what happens is you suddenly go, hang on a minute, we've lost a few good people. Why is that? And then it's too late. Yeah. And that's possibly where we were in 2018. Yeah. So I think it starts, without being too trite about it, it sort of starts with listening. It's saying, well, okay, you tell us. And then, it, then, it's, then it's actually acting on that. And, and one of the things I say to everybody is, look, the survey isn't there just to, you know... Yeah. post on LinkedIn when we get the results or anything. It's actually, we, we've made some really big decisions around um, that. We, you know, we spent God knows how much, you know, six-figure sum refurbing an office on the back of people saying, actually, our work environment's not as good as it should be. Yeah. You know, that, that's real money. We're, we're walking and talking, you know, and I, you know, I would challenge any of the staff to, to sort of suggest that it's not meaningful um, because I promise you it is. You know, I can show you the receipts. <laughs> and on that note, Matthew, thank you for being so candid in sharing your experiences around employee engagement. Uh, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Really interesting, wasn't it, David, what Matthew had to say? It sure was. And, you know, those real, real life examples of how people go about it is just, yeah. you know, the best, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, you know, books are great, aren't they? And you know, some of the things we're talking about are great, but actually... Yeah, people that live and breathe it and do it well, we can earn, all learn a lot from, can't we? Absolutely. Um, so our final pillar is a one around kind of integrity um, and, you know, do we do the right thing and all of those kind of things. So any personal experiences of seeing that kind of integrity pillar done well? I'll use a personal example. And I think, I think there's jobs within any business that, that perhaps people don't enjoy doing, you know, if we're honest, you know, every business might have one of those ones. And 
I, I guess from my background where one minute I may be having contractual discussions with somebody and then actually I'm, I was actually washing wetsuits, right? Yeah. And it sounds stupid, but it was one of the best parts of my day. All of the staff would come back and they would, they would have done X, Y, and Z with all of their customers from the day. And I'd come back and I'd, I'd, be, I'd be dressed in my shirt and, you know, trousers and I'd be washing wetsuits. And um, it was the best time of my day. I learned the most about what was going on. And it, it was just so fantastic for the organization. They were the times where the people that were out there day in, day out, in the sunshine, in the rain, were like, oh, oh look, at, look at this guy. The guy that wears the shirt yeah. is washing the wetsuits. You know, now I think there's a danger sometimes that you become too part of the yeah. the team, you know, um, and perhaps your time is best spent elsewhere. But I think that's just a an an example of how you can live and breathe your values, yeah. and and perhaps not believe your hype too much. You know, is that is that the right way yeah, to put I it? I do think so. I, I think I, th- I think that is it, isn't it? I mean, you know, again, I'll bang on about it forever and a day, but. You know, being in organisations where the values are on the wall and you know they're stuck to a wall, the plaster all over the building. But I've never, do- I've never had that. I've I've never really believed in no, that. If I'm it's honest, because you usually see those organisations that are very much like that. You know, this is how we host a meeting. This is what we do. This is you. They don't live and breathe, and you can see the behaviours being completely different. I think the businesses that get that live and breathe the values right are doing the kind of things that you've just put across. Yeah. And I think it's interested about how clear and accepted are your values. I think that you can't make something clear and accepted by putting it in a written document. No. It sounds yeah, it sounds strange. Like, you know, there, there, clearly there is some kind of development and understanding which comes from the narrative, but the reality is it's through actually what happens. Yeah you know, actually what happens day in, day out, you know, the way we respond to each other, the way we trust each other, the way in which we uh, we behave, you know, yeah. ethically, humanly, and, and so on. And I think it's so important um, that, that, that that integrity goes along with all of the other yeah. pieces. I think there's a, there is a piece around communicating, isn't there, and putting them into writing. But I also think, again, businesses that have been established a while should do a check-in on their values. And the best exercise I've seen for that is because usually we think about our values. We did it evolve, didn't we? When we were young as a business, and that represents who we are then, but as a business scales, you know, certain things change. Some of the value sets change. Now, hopefully not significantly, but yeah. there will be a little bit of a shift. It's just course of nature isn't it and actually doing a kind of getting a a selection of people from the organization around a table and saying what do you believe our values are you know explaining what values mean and getting them to then come up with what they believe the values are and do a compare and contrast to what you've got written down in a document or on a wall or wherever it may be is a really important exercise and one listeners i would you know suggest that you consider doing absolutely and i think employee engagement certainly did seem to become more important post pandemic or during the pandemic as people were finding recruitment more challenging however you know it's that topic that you know when you do meet on a quarterly basis perhaps or a monthly basis as a as a as a leadership team you know is this a conversation that is being discussed you know where do where do we stand with that because the people vital you know, how do we how do we keep developing it and reviewing and reflecting upon it? Definitely. And I think if you've got that the, that piece and you've got those clear and accepted values and you are starting to live and be, breathe them in terms of your behaviour, then I would summar, summarise that last action as on that pillow is uh, do what is right, not what is easy. Sounds good, Warren. That's kind sounds of, good. Yeah. And I think, you know, hopefully that's given you know, listeners an insight, but I suppose we could talk about an exercise that they could do considering each of those pillars and maybe some suggestions that we've made and, you know, what could they do to actually start to change things and improve their own engagement within their own organisations? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in terms of thinking about how you could improve strategic narrative, Ultimately, how, you know, if your organization has been in existence for longer, 
you know, perhaps that story has been lost slightly. Yeah. You know, it could have been. Um, so it might just be about getting back to grips with, you know, where the organization came from, what it was trying to achieve. And then, you know, we, we do. I, I don't think anyone particularly likes those big meetings where you stand up and, you know, yeah, someone. Stay in the nation. Yeah. Uh, it's just, just being honest and open about the, the, the kind of direction, if that's not clear. Um, speak to people in, in smaller groups about what the business is trying to achieve, um, getting their feedback. Those types of things can be ideas that, that certainly we, we would encourage and also have seen people do successfully. Definitely, definitely. So, you know, I think, you know, one thing you could do, listeners, is just get, you know, maybe four bits of paper and write on the top of one strategic narrative, one engage, engaging managers, one employee voice, and the final one, integrity. And then just jot down some things you could do to improve the business and the engagement through making improvements in each of those four areas. And hopefully um, we've given you some insight and some thoughts of things that you could do and, you know, good luck with it. But there is also, you know, lots of research out there. We referred to some earlier, you know, there's, there is resources available online as well, isn't there? Absolutely. Like the Chartered Institute for Personal Development website has an awful lot of um, kind of ideas and also kind of research if, if, if you know, to back this up as well, you know, what, what's successful and, and kind of what's been proven to, to, to be more successful. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really good place to go. And if you want to have a look at some of that research that was done in 2009, 10, 11, around employee engagement, you know, so being really the basis of this conversation, the four pillars, again, if you just Google the four enablers of employee engagement, there's lots of material that comes up. And we're here to help, aren't we, David? Absolutely. You know, we, we can facilitate um, sessions for your business, really, to bring people together and to actually start talking about these issues and how we can, um, you know, you know, make things better. Yeah, improve engagement and, and do the right things. Thank you, David. It's been great to sit down and have a conversation with you around employee engagement. Cheers, Warren. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. And don't forget, if you'd like to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and how we can help you and your business confidently start, grow and exit, then please go to evolveadvisory.co.uk. Please also help and support this podcast by subscribing, liking and giving us a positive review on your favourite listening platform. Thanks for listening and see you next week.